Welcome to Keep You 100 Radio. I'm your host, Felicity Pointer, type 1 diabetic, certified health coach, personal trainer, and founder of Needles and Spoons Health and Wellness. Inside this podcast, you'll find the real and raw conversations around diabetes management, including the lessons that we don't learn in our endos office, my best tips and trainings, and conversations from the experts that I trust inside the community so that you can create more predictability in your diabetes management and feel empowered while doing so. Let's dive in. So I've been living with type 1 diabetes for eight years, and of those eight years, I've been on an insulin pump for seven and a half. That means I have gone through 912 site changes, and that's not even counting my continuous glucose monitor. If you're living with diabetes, then you know that these diabetes devices are precious, and when we're just trying to do the things that we love, like being active, hanging out with our friends, traveling, we literally do not have time for our devices coming off and then dealing with insurance on top of that to deal with replacements. That is why I'm so happy that I found Syngrip, my favorite diabetes patch company, three years ago. Before finding them, my devices used to always knock off on doorways or sweat off after a workout. But since finding them, I can honestly say that I can go to the gym four days a week, sweat it up in hot yoga, go to the beach, and travel without having to worry about anything happening to my devices. As a type 1 diabetic who wants to make the most out of these experiences, I can't tell you how comforting it is to know that I have one less thing to worry about. Whether you're on an insulin pump or a continuous glucose monitor, you can try out SkinGrip at SkinGrip.com and save on your order by using the code LISSIE, L-I-S-S-I-E, at checkout. Now let's dive into this episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Keep You 100 Radio. On today's episode, I have a very special guest who actually just recently graduated from our signature program, Keep You 100. We have our alumni, Anna Williams, coming to join us. She's coming to us from California, but I will let her introduce herself. So Anna, do you mind just introducing yourself? Hi, uh, my name's Anna. I live in Sacramento, California. Um, I've had diabetes for 19 and a half years. Um, and I did just finish the Keeping It 100 program. Excited to share with you guys um, all the things I learned. And thank you so much for having me. Of course. Can you share a little bit about your diagnosis journey? Because 19 years is Definitely longer than I've been diagnosed. So (laughs) just share a little bit more about your journey. Sure. Um, So when I was about 15 and a half, I was actually on a trip, um, like a summer camp trip. And I came back and I was sick and I had some kind something that looked like the flu. I just was like throwing up for a couple of days Um, and then realized or got better and then didn't realize till three or four months later that I had diabetes um, until a friend actually at church saw me and was like, oh, you look like you've lost a lot of weight. And I just was hungry all the time. And all the common symptoms we all hear about type one, um, just drinking a lot of water, all those things. Um, And she said, you should probably go to the hospital. So we went to the doctor, did some blood work. They called and said, um, you know, get over to the hospital right away. You have diabetes. Um, I was in the hospital for about three or four days um, and then was sent home. So yeah, kind of a interesting story. When you're 15, it's kind of um, a lot of new information. Um, and then about a year later, I went on a pump and I've been pumping ever since then. So sounds a lot like my journey too. We were just maybe a few years apart, but same thing. I had the flu and then all of a sudden all of these symptoms started popping up and I kind of left it to, Oh, my body's just healing from the flu. Like I'm, I'm thirsty because my body needs to recover and I need to stay hydrated or I lost weight. Cause I 
wasn't really eating when I was sick, you know, kind of like all of these, you know, excuses that come up. Um, but what was that transition like at 15? Cause that's pretty like, that's kind of in your developing years. That's in your teenage years. Yeah. I think it actually helped that I was homeschooled, um, because I was home a lot. Um, and my parents really were a big, um, influence in my life and help, um, because they really, took on the disease and said, you know, how can we help Anna? What can we do, um, you know, to get this under control? Um, as far as like, even my dad would like say, log down your blood sugars and figure out my doses in the morning. Um, when I did switch to a pump, I felt a little more, more independence as far as like dosing on my own. Um, it was kind of hard learning to drive. Like right when I got on a pump, looking back, I probably should have waited, but it was a fun experience, I guess. <laughs> it's like things that you don't really think about until later on, like even driving without a Dexcom, like previously, yeah. I'm like, how did I do that? I didn't have, I wasn't checking my blood sugar every 10 minutes. <laughs> yes. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what was that? Was there any kind of transition as far as like, did life look any different or did you kind of treat things pretty much the same just with the insulin management? Um, I'd say pretty much the same, just that switch of being on a pump and having more flexibility in terms of when I can eat. Cause when I was on shots, it was like eat at nine o'clock, 12 o'clock, six o'clock, same time every day. Um, and back then it was, I think called NPH, um, that I was on. I don't know if that's around anymore. Um, but I just have a lot more flexibility on a pump. I was playing soccer back then too. Um, so it was just easier. I would have my pump like in my little pouch, like the only one they made back then, and then be on the field running around and with my pump. Um, so definitely I was more active and still I'm very active. So, um, I don't know. I just like the pump life a lot better. Oh yeah. It was a game changer. I think I've been on since six months after I was diagnosed because I was like, I cannot do these shots. I like would stop eating because I didn't want to have to inject. So it's definitely a game changer. Oh yeah. Yeah. What did your, so like kind of, I'm just thinking of my, my journey, like when I was diagnosed, cause I kind of took more of the route of, okay, I don't know much about diabetes. I know that carbs are spiking my blood sugar. So I kind of took more of that low carb aspect or uh, approach to it. What did your relationship with food look like at that point? Mm-hmm. Um, at that point, it pretty much stayed the same same as from when before I was diagnosed. Um, gosh, that seems like so long ago. It's hard for me to even remember, like, what was I eating back then? Um, I know I had a lot more just like high spikes just from not having the knowledge to, um, know all the things I know now, especially after the keeping it 100 class. But, um, back then I still was pretty active. I was playing soccer for like six months out of the year. And I felt like that kind of helped me control my blood sugar more. Um, but my relationship with food, yeah, I feel like if anything, I, like you said, I maybe didn't want to take a shot or didn't want to even do a bolus or, oh, I'm high, so I'm not going to eat. You know, a lot of times, like I'm, I'll wait till my blood sugar comes down and then I'll eat, even though I'm starving and I feel like I could eat the whole house. Um, I just would wait. So. Yeah, definitely. Uh, one of the I think like the pitfalls of it is like, we're so dictated by a number and I don't know, I feel like when we're that young, it kind of influences a lot of our mindset around food, especially. So I just wasn't sure if that had any influence, but when 
we had first met. So you had done the, one of the master classes that we had put on. Mm-hmm. And I remember getting a message from you um, pretty much after that session, which I thought was just so like, I love like, hearing pe- from people after our, um, like the free resources that we put out. So that was really exciting to get a DM from you. And when we had chatted, you had mentioned that you had been doing kind of more keto, low carb, uh, you know, approach to your management for a while. What kind of led you into that approach? Yeah, um, I will say it was right around the time when I got married in 2018 that I was more so like living on my own that I thought I'm going to eat the food that I think is best for me in order to control my blood sugar. Um, because I was noticing back then, if I don't eat a lot of carbs or very minimal carbs that I, you know, my blood sugar numbers were better. And that did lead to a lot of, um, lifestyle restrictions as far as like, Oh, that's the only thing you can eat. Or if you go high, I don't know why I went high. I, now I got to go on a walk. So now diabetes is dictating my whole day. Okay. I have to do exercise to get my blood sugar down okay, I can't eat because I'm high. And so anyways, that's what kind of led to the keto. And then I was doing basically keto low carb since 2018 up until just about a month, two months ago. So. Yeah. Wow. Oh my gosh. That's a long time though. That's about, yeah, like four years. So what do you remember? Like, was there any information going around that led you to believe that that was the best approach or was it purely just like seeing your trends? Um, It was Well, I think probably both. I know there's so much information online and that's kind of what led me to keeping it 100 is I was like, I'm working full time. I don't have time to go look up all this information of what is this every little thing going to do to my blood sugar or some stuff, it would be contradicting. So I would see things online. Oh, or even on Instagram or Facebook, like, oh, um, you know, eating no carbs that will keep your blood sugar steady. Um, but also in my trends, because my A1C was good. My A1C basically was 6.4 since 2018. And I was like, oh, this is great. Hey, I don't mind the lifestyle changes. I'll put up with that because my blood sugar numbers are good. And so I think maybe a lot of it was around the A1C. Um, I've been kind of off and off a C- on and off a CGM for a while since they came out. But even back then, I wasn't on a constant CGM. Um, so I wasn't looking at that time and range. I was just seeing, okay, that's my A1C. I'm doing good. So Yeah. I feel like that's, I mean, luckily that's more of a metric that I feel like is used more now than even like more than just an A1C. So I'm, I'm glad that's definitely information that we're considering more. But when your endo saw like the A1C, was it more of just um, like they were, they saw the A1C, they were like, okay, what you're doing is perfect. And that, did that encourage it at all? Yeah, because, oh, you're doing really good. Um, I don't see any changes, no changes. And then I would go home and I'm like, but what about, I would go see her every three months. So what about in the in-between of those three months where I'm having like, you know, days that you're not seeing on the graph? Because when I go, she just looks at the last two weeks and I'm like, okay, but I haven't been here for three months. So when, especially when you have a doctor telling you, oh, you're doing really good. Don't change your basal rates. Don't change your carb ratio. Well, cause you're not eating carbs. Um, everything's good. Go about your day, like go about your life. And I would go home and then same thing again, three months later. So, right. 
And it doesn't help when you're not feeling great or like when you do feel restricted or like you feel like you can't like, okay, my blood sugar is high. Now I have to go walk for 20 minutes. And it's yeah. not always convenient to use movement. Like, yes, it's a great resource or a great tool, but when you feel like you have to walk multiple times a day, I don't know, at least to me, that sounds exhausting. Yeah. Because I may not have time to walk when I have work all day. I can't go walking after breakfast, lunch, dinner. And a lot of it was why well, I'm not eating carbs. Why am I going high? I didn't have any resources to find out, oh, there's all these other factors, maybe not just a bad sight or something. I'm out in the heat all day. Like, you know, there's other factors. And so that was really frustrating too. Like, oh, I don't know what to do. Okay. I'm going to go on a walk again. Okay. I'm back in range. And then it would happen again. So. Yeah. Just correct me if I'm wrong, but I think from our initial conversation, you had said when your blood sugar would go high, you kind of leave it to a bad sight. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So. Because I thought, well, I'm not eating any carbs. I have no other explanation for why I'm not getting any insulin. Right. Right. So what was like that turning point from when you said, okay, like the A1C is not worth how I'm feeling? Um, the turning point was actually more related to food. So in the morning, I was eating something that I didn't know till I took this class was high in fat and high in saturated fat because all over the label, it said, this is good for you, healthy. Um, so I was eating that with where I was eating the same thing for breakfast every day. And I was like, it's no carbs, it's keto, I'm good. And then what started happening, and it was basically every day was I would go up high to like 250. And I normally wake up around maybe even 110 because my overnights were pretty good. So like 110, I eat breakfast. Okay, now I'm up to 250. Now I'm getting worried and I'm getting stressed out and I was getting ketones. So now I have ketones. I can't do my backup walk that I normally do because that's going to make my blood sugar go higher. So then I was super frustrated. Okay. I guess I'll just sit here and drink a bunch of water and do my work and, um, hope that my ketones go away. And that was happening every day. And it was for maybe like six hours which is feels like half the day that I oh, yeah. get high and nauseous and just all the symptoms having high blood sugar. I just felt nauseous. Sometimes I'd have to lay down. Um, so yeah, I think that was the turning point where I just said, I'm just not feeling well. I have to do something about this. So. Right. Yeah. Cause I remember too, like when we were doing your goal setting, it's like, it wasn't even just about the high number. It was that you were feeling the strong effects of the high number, which yeah. was resulted from the ketones, but yeah. So kind of speak to that a little bit of like, at what, like, I know you said that was kind of the turning point, but what made you reach out for more support? Um, well, I've been looking, I followed some other programs, um, on Instagram, and like other people with type one. So I had kind of been following and I can't remember when I started following you. I think I just searched on Instagram, like type one diabetes or something. And anyways, I had just been looking for resources because I thought somebody out there has to know the answers to these things. And I don't have time to find it online myself and like go through all the research. Um, so I think the turning point probably was that master class that I can't even remember the name of that I listened to. And um, there was a couple other things because in that class, you had talked about Val on your team and talking about like hormone health. 
And I was like, oh my gosh, I had known nothing about that. So I'm kind of interested. So there's a couple of things that, and then just talking about, I think, nutrition, there's a couple of things that piqued my interest that I was like, I just want to reach out and see what this is. Like, what is this magic thing these people have that I want a part of? So I do actually remember the masterclasses, the burnt out to balance masterclass. And yeah, we talk about a lot of that holistic approach of, or more of like the cyclical approach of, okay, how do we meet things with our hormonal health or our our cycle? How do we match that with our nutrition and our lifestyle? Um, So for anybody listening that wants to listen to that, I'll link it in the show notes. But yeah, I do remember seeing the DM from that. And you're like, I'm kind of interested in learning more about this approach, but you were kind of interested in other approaches as well. Like, because there was, I remember we had gotten on our consultation call and there was another, I think there was another program or another diet that you were kind of like interested in. Yeah. Um, there's a book called Mastering Diabetes. Um, and I was following them. I think it's a book. And then also they have a team of people. Um, so I had looked into that, but I think it's more one-on-one coaching was what I had looked into. Um, and I didn't see anything about hormones or like the cycle tracking that you guys talk about. And I thought, well, if that's something I don't even know about and it's affecting my blood sugar, I should probably find out about that. Um, And then I think their nutrition approach is a little bit different from what I see online. It looks more of um, plant-based diet, which um, I don't know much about that, but um, you know, I was open to trying it, but then I like that you guys have this whole team of people and you all have, most of you have type one. And I think it's easier for me to relate like to other women that have type one Whereas that other class, it was just seemed to be a mix of people and you're not sure who you'll be paired with. So, yeah, I I do actually remember talking about that a little bit now too. And like, I do think that there's a lot of benefit to adding whole foods, adding Mm -hmm. plant-based foods into our diet. I think what we had kind of talked about too, was it was like, if you're following a diet right now, or, you know, lack of better words, a diet um, and you're feeling maybe a little bit restricted, maybe going to another diet on the other end of the spectrum might not be the best thing for the mindset around or like relationship with food. So I, th- I think I do remember talking about that too. Yes. And I'm glad you reminded me of that because um, that's what I was um, experiencing was, oh, I'm already on this restrictive keto, low carb diet or program. And what you guys talk about that I saw on yours was we don't restrict foods. We teach you like, this is how to learn how to bolus for that food you want to eat for your body. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Oh, that makes a lot more sense. So I don't know. I guess it just clicked in my brain and I thought that's the program I want to try. So I love it. And I I remember as well, like you had kind of mentioned, um, like, I don't really know what balance looks like for me. Can you just speak to that a little bit of like, maybe what the, um, like what your thoughts around were, what your thoughts around that were at the time and maybe what the roadblocks felt like? Yeah. Um, I think that goes back to probably when I was first diagnosed and you asking me like, Oh, what kind of, how did your relationship with food change? I think it was changing over time and I didn't realize it. Um, because now that I'm like older and I'm an adult, as opposed to before when I was younger, I feel like, um, I just, what's the word? I didn't know like what foods to eat. Um, 
So because I would say, oh, my blood sugar is high, I'm not going to eat right now, I might skip lunch. And that's what I was doing. I, I haven't eaten lunch in like 10 years, probably until now I'm eating lunch again. So I hadn't eaten lunch in so long because I thought, oh, my blood sugar stays nice and stable. I'm not going to eat. It's okay if I'm hungry during the day. I'll just be hungry for a couple hours and wait till dinner. Um, so I think over time, my like thoughts about food were changing. And I knew that they weren't healthy because now I'm thinking, or I noticed I'm having ketones. And as I learned in the program, like I was eating like keto is more like fat based. So I felt like I was just eating a lot of fat and not losing weight on like, I was, I felt like I was gaining weight slowly, if that makes sense. Yeah. Kind of made sense too, thinking about it with like how, I mean, fat, like fat keeps us more satiated too. So, I mean, if you were hungry at lunch, but it kind of made sense as to if you weren't hungry or like why you're blood sugars might've kind of been staying that way. Yeah. And a lot of it was, I said, Jess, help me. This is what I'm eating. What am I doing wrong? And she taught me about like protein and fat, but then I realized like, oh, okay. That was not my intention to eat mostly fat that I think just developed from buying all these keto things. Right. Like unintentionally I was doing that. And I Um, remember you guys saying, well, do you know what a macronutrient is? And I said, or are you tracking your macronutrients? I said, no, because I don't know what that word means. And then now I understand what it means, but, um, I had no idea like, okay, this is how much, how many carbs I didn't know anything about fiber. This is like how many of these grams of everything that I'm supposed to be eating. And I think I just didn't learn that in this whole you know, adult life with diabetes. So I don't think anybody really does. I think (laughs) like, seriously though, I think for the most part, we're taught like, okay, this is a carb. And to be honest, like when I was diagnosed, they told me like stick to low carb or, you know, take this many units for this many carbs, but nobody was actually telling me what a carb was like, that sounds so silly to say, but I'm like, I didn't really understand conceptually what a carb was. Yeah. I, I knew that pasta had carbs and rice had carbs, but I had no idea really what it meant. Um, but like, can you kind of walk us through your process? And one thing that I really appreciated about your mindset in the program was you're very open, open open-minded to trying new things. Like we had said, you know, we're like, oh, like, is there other things that you could try? And you're like, yeah, I can try X, Y, Z. I'm going to do that tomorrow. (laughs) And I just loved how like quick to troubleshoot you were. Cause I feel like you were just excited or just like eager to, or curious. Like you were very curious about like what else is there. And to me, that was the fun part. So can you kind of walk us through your kind of like, what were the first steps that you took in trying new things or trying to figure out what your balance looked like? Yeah. So one of the first, well, thank you for saying that. Um, I felt like part of the reason I joined the program too, was there's so much information now from 19 years ago, even about nutrition online that I was like, whatever you guys have this knowledge, like I want to know what it is. And I was just so tired of having those ketones and just no matter what I ate, I feel like my blood sugar went up that I was just so fed up with it. I was like, teach me all the things I need to know, whatever this is, help me. So I think that's where like the curiosity came from more so, but where it first started was, um, I think the first couple weeks of the program, you have us like track everything, um, 
So I was writing down, this is what I'm eating. This is how many grams of fat, fiber, protein, carbs. This is what I ate. And so I tracked for a couple of weeks. This is my movement, my water intake, all those things. And it helped me see like, okay, that's, that was my day. And then the next day, that was the exact same thing I did yesterday. And then I ate the exact same thing again. Um, so the first couple of weeks of tracking really helped me. I wanted to get as much data as I could so that when I got into the class and all of the um, modules, I think they're called, then I had data to see, okay, that's what I ate. And that's what happened to my blood sugar. And I knew that that was the pattern I developed some of them before I started, but now I need to figure out what to do about them. And that was one of the main pieces was reaching out to Jess, who is like the nutrition coach on your team. And she really helped me say like, okay, that's, you know, what you're eating, you need to bolus for start with 50% of the fat. And I started with, I think 30% of the protein, and then enter those in as carbs into my pump. And then I tried that the first time, maybe it didn't work. And then I realized, oh, I needed to do that as an extended bolus. And so there's just so many things I learned that I had no idea about, like that fat and protein slowly, like they keep you steady. Cause before I would sometimes go pie and then I would just sit there flat. Okay. I'm bolusing. I'm bolusing. I'm bolusing. Now I know I just need an extended bolus so that I'm getting these little bits of insulin you know, up to two hours after I eat or however many hours. So. Yeah. And I remember too, like when we were talking about kind of the baselines and the carb ratios, you're like, well, I think mine are right, but I actually don't know because I don't eat many carbs. <laughs> so, Yes. And I had actually, I've only, before the program, I had only tested my carb ratio maybe once um, in those 19 years, because every time I went to the doctor, it was, oh, you went high at that time. We, we surely, we should adjust your basal rate. Mm. So, and then I know, I know because it's really hard, but I was not pre-bolusing the couple of times I would eat carbs. Maybe I had, let's say a piece of cake at a birthday party. I wasn't pre-bolusing because uh, how can I decide what I'm going to eat? I need to eat it and then bolus. And that just was messing me up altogether. So. Right. And also think about how much your body changes in 19 years. Yeah. <laughs> Like I'm constantly changing my rates or, you know, maybe not constantly, but like every few months I'm like, all right, it's time to reevaluate. And I just feel like sometimes we, our endocrinologists kind of overcompensate like, oh, you're going high here. Let's increase your basal rate. But it's like, there might be other things impacting that time that maybe we're not discussing. Yes. And Jess was really great about that because I know I got my baseline or baselines. My basil is under control. I got them tested. They're good. And then now I know it's my carb ratio because I just ate. And it was interesting because, um, as I went through and just helped me, I think mine was set at nine. That's too low. Let's go to 10. Whoa, that's too high. 9.5. Okay. I would have never thought nine and a half to one ratio that just never occurred in my brain. So now that's my morning carb ratio. And the great thing that I really like about the program is I know that's not going to be my carb ratio for the rest of my life, but I know how to test it now. So when it does change, I can test it again and just make adjustments as I go. So 
I love that so much. That's the whole goal. Cause like, right. Like our, our bodies are constantly changing. The seasons can affect it. Our activity can affect it, you know, traveling, whatever it is can affect it. So it's like, when we get to those moments, we should know how to make those adjustments. But how did you get through, like, were there any mindset hurdles that came up as you were integrating more carbs into your, your day-to-day? Like, how did you get through those roadblocks where like maybe something didn't work the first time and you had to try it again or like maybe you didn't want to but yeah how did that process go yeah so it was kind of scary um i remember being scared of carbs even eating a regular piece of bread cuz i was eating keto bread before and that was causing all these issues and i thought okay i'm going to try this ppf method just talks about i don't know anything about fiber about this sliced bread called double fiber. I thought that's got to be good for you. I bolus for it. And basically I eat bread all day, every day, whenever I want to eat bread. Um, but one of the things that really helped me that we talk about early on in the program is I think it's called like setting anchors. Um, so that, which I thought, I know a lot of stuff. I don't need these anchors. I don't need things to remind me to pre-bolus. I don't need a reminder to do this, but okay, I'm just going to write it down because it's part of the program and I'm doing it. So then, which I say that to say that it's good that I did that because it really helped me later on, even like weeks, a couple weeks after starting eating carbs, I would find myself sometimes still skipping breakfast. Um, because I was busy. I was like, my blood sugar is good. I'm not going to eat breakfast. And then it'd be 10 o'clock. And sometimes Jess would check in with me. Did you eat breakfast? And I'll be like, no, I forgot. But that's where the anchors came in is because you guys, we set reminders in the Slack channel. And so I had set a reminder for Brie to remind me every morning to eat breakfast. So when I saw that, I was like, I'm going to eat breakfast. I'm going to overcome this hurdle of being scared of eating carbs. And I'm going to pre-bolus and everything was fine. So yeah. Talk about, uh, talk about trusting the process. (laughs) You're like, I don't need to do this. (laughs) Which is also hard to do, but yeah, I'll just say it's difficult. You kind of like have these inner dialogues in your own brain of like, no, I'm not going to eat that scary bread, carbs, and just like constantly in your brain. It is not just bread. Like now that I'm bolusing for protein and fat, I no longer have a fear of bolusing, of saying I need to take insulin for what I'm eating. And what I realized too throughout the program is a lot of stuff I would just be like, oh, that's green beans. That doesn't have any carbs. That's vegetables. Now that I'm reading the label, oh, I do need to bolus for that. So. Right. It's so interesting, especially after 19 years, like there's a lot of inner dialogue that happens. There's a lot of external dialogue that happens that like does really feed into our subconscious and our decision-making around those things. Like, just like you said, you're like, oh, carbs were scary or like it was easier to listen to that dialogue and and you had to very intentionally kind of break from it. But I remember, yeah, when I was first diagnosed, you know, hearing all of those things about, okay, my doctor's saying, you know, just eat low carb, try not to let your blood sugar spike. Um, my brother who like now he, now he knows, but at the time he had thought, you know, oh, taking insulin, uh, you know, stops your production of insulin. So don't take insulin, you know, just hearing those kind of dialogues, in the beginning of my diagnosis really impacted the way 
that I thought about these things. So the way I thought about taking insulin or having insulin in my body, the way that I thought about carbs, and it takes a lot of intentionality and work, like a lot of work to kind of break those pre-existing beliefs and values that we have. So I'm really proud of you for taking that initiative after almost 20 years. That's, that's really tough. Yeah. And that's also why I joined the program was I thought if I, I know that like, I need to figure out what I should be eating and my nutrition and what, you know, what I'm eating that if I'm going to do this and take this leap, I need like a support system. I need other people with type one or how the class is set up, like other people in the class for their own reasons, but like they're there for support and like checking in on you. And like Jess would check in on me when in the early days when I was tracking and I'm like, oh, I have ketones again. She'd check in and say, how are you doing? Are you feeling better? What did you do? And I was like, oh, that's so nice. Um, So anyways, I knew that I would need like more like mental support from other people so that I had less of that inner dialogue telling me like, no, don't eat breakfast or don't eat lunch. And it's crazy because my, well, I don't know if we're going to talk about this later, but my numbers have even gotten better since then. So now I have even more flexibility to some days I'll just eat carbs for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And I just have a straight line all day on my graph. And it's just amazing. I still can't believe it. That means see, yeah, I remember initially when we were doing your goal setting, you had pretty much the same, like you want to keep the consistency in your blood sugars, which you like, do you mind if I kind of talk about the numbers or? Okay. Yeah. Okay. I just want to make sure I get your permission first, but you, you always had a high time in range. You know, your standard deviation was low. Your average was, I believe in the 120s, 130s. So it was never really about the numbers, but you want to keep that consistency. So that was kind of like our goal in mind as we slowly introduced and and troubleshooted with you. And at the end of the program, it, like it was full circle. Like you were right back at that same that same starting point while introducing more things to your diet, introducing more knowledge around your cycle, more exercises. Like, can you speak to that at all? Kind of how things are looking now. Yeah. Um, I will say even since that 10 week, like follow-up check-in we did, my time and range has actually increased. Um, I have multiple days at a hundred percent time and range. What? I know I've been meaning to send you a screenshot and I keep forgetting. Um, but yeah, I just, that was one of the other things too, is I felt like I was always going low after workouts. Um, and now I might go low, but I know why I went low. And I just have a lot more knowledge too about like what kind of pre-workout snacks to eat and, you know, what do I do? And it depends on what type of workout. I wasn't even tracking my heart rate before. Like I just look at it constantly now. And so there's just so many aspects that I learned in the 10 weeks, but yeah, my numbers have actually even gotten better since last time we spoke when the program ended. So that is so exciting. And like, don't get me wrong. Like for anybody listening, like our goal is never for you to be in, in range hundred percent of the time. Like that's such a win and that's amazing. But like, does it doesn't have to be the goal all the time. I don't think so. But like for you, that was kind of the, I think it was that mindset too of like, okay, even if the time and range did drop a little bit, like keeping in mind that 
one, that's still a huge win because you're introducing new things to your lifestyle. You're introducing carbs, you're troubleshooting your carb ratio, your baselines, your activity, like all these different things. And just to see it like come full circle like that was just, to me, is really exciting to see from a coaching perspective, um, which I always love having like that you have more freedom around those things now. Um, But like just a, a, a question for you is like, how do you think that would have looked differently without support? Like if it was something that you decided to do on your own, can you speak to maybe what that would have like looked um, like? Honestly, it would have been a lot longer process than 10 weeks um, because I, the eating carbs was a really big hurdle. And honestly, I, I don't know that I would have done it because I didn't have the additional tools in my brain before I started the program. I thought, okay, I need to introduce carbs. I still have no idea how much, how many macronutrients to eat. So I probably would have just started eating carbs and then had more highs is what I'm thinking because, um, you know, I wasn't pre-bolusing. My carb ratios were all wrong. And so that means I wouldn't probably have gotten enough insulin or too much. And even before I never, ever used extended bolus, like ever, unless I ate pizza, which I wasn't eating pizza. I was eating cauliflower pizza, but I haven't eaten pizza. Even now I still have to try it after the program. I haven't eaten pizza in like years and years. Um, but I don't know if I had done it on my own, it would have been a lot longer process. And I don't think I would have had as many like leaps and bounds as I did through the program. It's hard to explain all the stuff that I learned in 10 weeks because just the nutrition part alone, I would have been like, okay, I'm good. Even if we didn't talk about exercise or anything else. So it's really interesting that there's so many aspects. And by the time I was done, even by like week eight, I felt like I was basically done because I had so much knowledge and my numbers were really good. And I just had so much freedom that, um, yeah. I don't know. That'd be an interesting comparison. And honestly, like the starting of the 10 weeks, I probably wouldn't have started when I did. I would have been like, oh, I'll just keep putting it off. Okay. Well, I don't know. I have this trip planned or this or that and maybe made more excuses. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's the thing. It's like, there are so many moving pieces that it can be really hard to dissect alone. And sometimes all you need is like a second pair of eyes to say like, or even just walk through and talk through the process, right? Like that's like a whole piece of it that is still missing in our traditional healthcare system even. But I mean, I know for you, your new accountability point is to try some pizza. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Which I'm excited about. But yeah, so I mean, and um, just to speak to real quick, if anybody's wondering, because I know you talked about the extended bolus, you're on the T-slim, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Just to clarify, because I know um, there sometimes is some hesitancy from people to try things like extended bolus when they're on control IQ, because then they have to turn it off, I believe, and or it only lets you do a certain amount of time. For two hours. Yeah. Two hours. Right. Right. But yeah, so I guess kind of to to follow up and to leave off, like, what would you say to somebody who is currently maybe struggling with feeling restricted by food, or maybe they're not sure what kind of diet or way of eating is best for them. Um, They're kind of in that, maybe they're feeling stuck around nutrition. What would you say to them? 
Um, I would say that there is light at the end of that tunnel because there are other ways to live. Um, and that was something I didn't realize. I thought I have diabetes. This is what I have to do for the rest of my life. I'm just going to have high blood sugar. And these are the restrictions I have to have. Um, I would say they should join your program or call Jess. And I don't remember her last name. Reach out to Lissy, get Jess's phone number and hire her as a nutritionist or a health coach because she understands. She doesn't even have type one. She understands how all of these nutrition aspects, all food, like how to, she understands how to teach you to um, make them work for your own body. If that makes sense. That was a long description, but that was like the main takeaway for me was the nutrition aspect. Um, And I would say, you know, don't believe everything you read online because, you know, keto is not the only way. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, we should be able to enjoy food just like everybody that doesn't have diabetes. Hell yeah. Preach. (laughs) I remember one of the first questions I asked you, and this is usually my go-to question when somebody mentions that maybe they eat a certain way. I always ask, like, is that preference or is that specifically for your blood sugars? (laughs) I remember you're like, it's definitely not preference. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And that's hard to... um, Yeah, it wasn't a preference because I don't know, I just heard from so many people and you read stuff online that, well, you have diabetes and that's, that's that. Mm -hmm. That's what you have to eat now. That's what I say. Yeah. For the rest of your life. So that like, just do it mentality, like just eat this way and you're fine. Yes. And who knew that carbs are good for you? Oh my gosh. Oh, we talked about this too, Lissy. I know, like, I think our time's almost up, but um, I was feeling so, I had like no energy, but I didn't realize it. And then I started eating carbs and like the next call, you were like, why do you have so much energy? And I was like, I don't know. I've been eating carbs. That's all I, that's my only difference. I'm working out now. I'm not going low. And even since then, I just have so much more energy. Like who knew that your brain needed carbs and glucose? I didn't. So even the way you showed up to those calls though, like your like your whole, like, uh, like not your appearance, like physically, but your, your body language was just like more open, more energized, more like you could just see the difference and that's through a screen. So I can only imagine people who are with you in person or your, your partner and your, like your loved ones, like what difference they saw. And I just want to say, like, it takes a lot of vulnerability and it takes a lot of ownership and like empowerment to kind of like acknowledge that something that maybe you've been doing for four years or a way that you've been living for 19 years might not be working or might not be best serving you for, you know, where you are at right now. So again, just like a huge kudos to you for doing that and and taking that ownership and coming from an empowered standpoint, because I know it's really hard to reach out and ask for support, but yeah, just a big kudos to you. And I think just seeing you, the difference between week one and week 10, it's night and day. And it really makes me excited as a coach. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you, Lissy. I, well, I want you guys to be on the news. Like I just <laughs> wish everybody knew about your program across the whole United States. And if you get really busy and you need help from me, I'm here to help you. I hope that just everybody that has diabetes to find out about your program 
because it literally changed my life. So we did not pay her to say that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, um, no, thank you so much for coming on. And if anybody like wants to talk to you, are they able to reach out to you through like Instagram, like anything like that? Yeah, sure. Um, I'll send you my information if you want to share it um, on your podcast or on the notes. Yeah, I'll yeah. put it in the show notes. So if you have oh. any questions for Anna or just want to connect with her and have her as a person in your community, um, that will be in the show notes. But thank you so much for coming on and sharing your journey. I know it's being on podcasts, it can be scary, but you did great. And I'm so glad that you're here. Uh, Thank you, Lucy. Thank you for having me.